Good morning, everyone. My name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. And uh, before I tell you what we're going to do on today's podcast, I just want to uh, give you a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first of all, I hope you caught the uh, sixth episode of Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions yesterday. It was a long one, maybe one of those podcasts that you kind of listen to in segments. I know if you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and listen to a 90-minute a podcast, but lots of great questions in there, lots of great uh, stuff to consider, so I hope you'll catch up on that. Uh, later today, we'll be at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia for our next Prophecy Night. You can live stream that, actually, at 6 o'clock Mountain Time tonight, or we will post the video and also the audio-only version of it uh, sometime later tonight after we are done. Uh, Wednesday's World Events Update with Randy. Randy. Thursday, we've got uh, Lucas back to talk about part three of Jesus' enigmatic parables of the kingdom. And, uh, and then more great stuff uh, coming. So just want to mention that. Also, a reminder that I've been asked uh, to speak at uh, Tom Hughes's conference down in Texas on August 25th and 26th. You can see the highlight uh, banner there on our website. It tells you all about it. And what a great lineup. I'm so honored to be a part of it. It was a last-minute uh, fill-in for one of the speakers that couldn't make it, and I'm delighted that my schedule allowed it. And so uh, I encourage you to click the link and go to uh, Tom Hughes's site and uh, sign up for the a live stream ticket, and you can watch all of the great speakers, uh, Alex Newman, Dr. Andy Woods, myself, uh, so many others, uh, Tom himself, of course, Tom Hughes. And so uh, be looking forward to that here in the next week or so, again, August 25th and 26th. Uh, if you pay for the live stream, by the way, you have access to all the videos for, I think it's 30 days, but you can check out um, uh, Tom's uh, website uh, for that. So thank you, Tom, for including me in that uh, in that conference. Well, uh, last month, uh, July of 2023, I had the privilege of joining Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on her program, Happy Hour with Dr. T, for a series of four interviews over four consecutive weeks about the spirit of the Antichrist. And it was a fascinating series of discussions. Each one of them was an hour long. And those videos are available at her website, drtenpenny.com, drtenpenny.com. Most of you, I'm sure, are familiar with her. Uh, but if you go to her website, you can sign up to become an insider and have access not only to those four videos that I did with her, but also lots of other fantastic interviews. And so I encourage you to visit Dr. Tenpenny today to become an insider. She's really got some great resources and great information. Um, obviously, as with any uh, person that we uh, collaborate with in ministry, we may not see eye to eye on everything, but uh, she's one of the good guys, uh, so to speak. And so, uh, but the podcast you're about to hear is the audio-only version of part one of that four-part interview from her Happy Hour program. Again, for the videos which show Dr. T and myself talking, as well as my slides and other visuals, I really encourage you to go to her website and, and purchase those videos. But uh, we're going to post the audio-only version of uh, these videos, uh, starting with part one today, and then the three other videos will be in the upcoming days, uh, just filling in some days uh, so that I'm not doing new interviews and can can finish up all this book that I'm uh, that I'm working on. So, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Again, it's a audio only, so sometimes I'll be referring to something on the screen, and uh, you'll understand that uh, you're listening to just the audio only. If you want the full video, uh, it's available at Doctor Ten Penny. Uh, com. So thanks so much for listening and enjoy. Well, hello everyone. My name is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and I want to extend a warm welcome to everyone who's joining us here for Happy Hour with Dr. T. Each week we get together two nights a week with amazing guests and have conversations to inspire you and to help you grow. We also invite past interviews on podcast members that are posted at drtenpenny.com in the podcast area. So if you've missed anything in the past, that's where you can go and find it. Things remain live for about 42 hours when we do these podcasts, and then they go behind the paywall as part of our a podcast for people who support us financially. On Thursday nights for the last several months, we have been doing special events. And tonight, we're going to kick off another important series at Happy Hour with Dr. T as a special event. You won't want to miss this. 
Over the past several months, we've been doing several series with Pastor Doug Van Dorn, Pastor Mike Spaulding, and authors Doug Woodward, Derek Gilbert, and L.A. Marzulli that are now available at drtempity.com for $79. Now, mm. that $79 that we that you pay, 100% of, that, of those proceeds from each amazing four- or five-part course, 100% of that goes back to the authors as a thank you for your time and support and to support your work. And if you're a premium podcast member, you have lifetime access to those courses for free as part of your membership. But for everyone else, if you purchase this set, I want to assure you that that's all going back to the authors because of the incredible work that they've done. And we're in appreciation and want to help them and support their mission going forward. So if you miss a week here during this four-part series, you can go under the podcast tab at drtenpenny.com and rewatch it for the entire month for free. So tonight we're kicking off a very important series that you know, if you've been following me for a while, I've been so excited about this. I've been talking about it in other broadcasts to get you up to speed on what's coming here, because this is vitally important to your walk with the Lord and to your life. So let me introduce to you a bit about our educator for this, for this month, pastor, author, speaker, J.B. Hickson. J.B. Hickson is a nationally known author, speaker, and radio host with more than 30 years of ministry experience in the pastoral and academic areas. Recognized for his expertise in the area of systematic theology, Dr. Hickson has a passion for communicating important theological truths from God's word in a clear and easy to understand way and for helping others learn how to study the Bible effectively for themselves. Dr. Hitzkin has served on many faculties and adjunct uh, as on many faculties and as adjunct professor of nine colleges and seminaries. He earned his BA degree from the Houston Baptist University, a master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary, and a PhD from Baptist Bible Seminary. If you ever find yourself in the Denver metro area, please be sure to join him at Plum Creek Chapel for a Sunday or a Wednesday night service. So tonight is the start of our four-part series on the spirit of the Antichrist, the gathering cloud of deception. This series exposes the Luciferian conspiracy to usher in a one-world political, religious, economic system that will be led by the future Antichrist, Satan, his evil spirits, and his human accomplices that have been trying desperately for thousands of years to unseat God as the ruler of the universe. These co-conspirators are ever so close to accomplishing their goals of a great satanic reset, short-lived though it may be. In, in, In this series, we will discuss the historical and biblical proof of this conspiracy and how the stage is being set for Satan's global takeover. I am so excited about this. In phase one, we're going to be talking about, this is a two-part series that JB has put together. Part one is tonight. Part two is next week. Then we will do two more parts in the preced- in the following four weeks. So it's a total of a four-week course. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the totalitarian tiptoe, exposing the Luciferian plans for full-spectrum global control. The phase of the to- this phrase, the totalitarian tiptoe, is common among those who study the Luciferian conspiracy. It refers to the mythological, intentional, and usually secret march towards complete planetary control by the elites. The Luciferians, who are Satan's earthly accomplices, have shifted into high gear, especially in the last three years as they get closer and closer to the end game of their plan for glo- global total enslavement. Tonight in session one, we will explore the role of Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum and its conspiracies, and the role of human government throughout God's plan of the ages and America's role in this Luciferian plan. I'm telling you, people, this is like, I can't hardly wait for this. I've been reading these books for the last month, getting ready for this. And so I just want to show you as proof, I have the books and I've been reading them. And I hope that you've gotten the books and you've been reading them too, because this is the most important set of information I think that we've brought to you in maybe all three years that we've been doing Happy Hour. So JB, thank you so much for joining us here tonight and taking your time to put this together for our audience. 
Oh, it is my pleasure. I tell you, we are so grateful. The the, uh, the the hour is certainly urgent. These are urgent times and days. So much going on in the world around us, Dr. Tenpenny. And, uh, you know, this uh, material that I'm going to be covering over the next four weeks really is the culmination of about 16 years of, of really focused, uh, dedicated, uh, deep dive study on this uh, issue. Uh, I've been in ministry uh, for 35 years, spent a number of years, 12 years in full-time academics at, in higher ed, uh, done some some pastoral work. And then the last uh, several years, we've been with Not By Works Ministries. And uh, we've just been traveling the country, uh, teaching the Bible, teaching theology. But about uh, 17 years ago, the Lord allowed my wife, uh, Wendy, and I to wake up to really some uh, truths that we had not really understood before. So the way the world really works and the way Satan is uh, trying to take over this world in uh, in a grand conspiracy uh, with you know his evil spirits, with uh, human accomplices, really trying to throw off, as Psalm 2 tells us, the shackles of God's control or what he views as shackles anyway. And so, uh, so yeah, we put these books together. Uh, the the for volume one came out about a year ago. Volume two came out about uh, six months ago or so. And uh, the Lord's been good. So thanks for giving us the chance to to share and and expose uh, your audience to some of this material. Well, we talk an awful lot. You know, over all of 2022, I was really moved by the Lord to talk about Genesis six. You know, mm-hmm. and the parts as in the days of Noah and. How bad was it really? And where are we on that end times timeline? So when we came across your work and the spirit of the Antichrist, which is so much of what we've been talking about over the last year, and most of my guests, you know, I bring in because a lot of different perspectives on where we are on that timeline. And, you know, you and I did a, an interview just a couple of weeks ago about that. And so leading up to this four-part series that we're doing here in July, and so um, I think it's really, really important because I think that most Christians, and we've had some of a revival. I mean, people have really seen this, that people have really said, wow, this is really important. And I think this may be the end time. And like one of the things I say a lot is that, you know, even if you live to be 100 years old, that is a nanosecond in terms of time for eternity. So talking about this now in this totalitarian tiptoe, um, I'm already talked too much and taken up part of your time. So go ahead here and share your screen and let's see if we can um, talk about this all together. Awesome. So you should see uh, the screen, the uh, my screen on your uh, on yours there, Dr. Tenpenny. I see. Yes, I see it. If, if people watch or see, can still see me and I'm looking over here, it's because that's the screen I see it on. So that's okay. where I see it. Perfect. Well, we... Uh, I'm really grateful again. Uh, and by the way, I noticed uh, it looked like you're going to be at, uh, at G. Edward Griffin's uh, Red Pill Expo coming up. Is that? Did I see you as one of the speakers? I think so. I think that's yeah. where I'm going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like me. You have to look at your calendar. And just oh. take it one week at a time. You know, actually one day at a time. Seriously. Oh boy. <laughs> well, tell him hello. He's been a hero of mine, uh, kind of like you, honestly, for for a number of years. And so, uh, look, one of my bucket list items is to meet him someday. Uh, but he's uh, been a, a great blessing to our ministry as well. So. Yeah, so part one here, uh, we're going to do this week uh, the totalitarian tiptoe part one, and then uh, next week we'll do the totalitarian tiptoe part two. Um, And, you know, as you kind of mentioned in your open, that's a phrase that uh, you'll see in the literature out there, uh, you know, used by people that 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 teach and write about the the Luciferian conspiracy. I'll be explaining a little bit more about what that phrase Luciferian conspiracy means as we go through uh, t- today. But uh, the, the Luciferians are, are really, you know, Satan's earthly accomplices, his co-conspirators who are trying to take over this world. And so um, they're they're really not even trying to keep it a secret anymore. In fact, uh, I suggested in my books that a better label than totalitarian tiptoe might be the dictatorial dash, because they mm. are full speed ahead trying hard for this uh, full-spectrum planetary control, and it's a tyrannical control. And the reason I said uh, in in your open there, you referenced that it's short-lived. The reason I say that it's short-lived is because we know biblically that the, the, the Antichrist is going to rule the world only for a period of seven years. 
And uh, and in the grand scheme of human history, that's a pretty small blip, but it'll be a pretty major one. I mean, he's going to have full spectrum global control, as I said. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we know that's what the Bible, the Bible teaches. That's what uh, God's plan of the ages and prophetic plan teaches. And as I explain in these two books, that's what's going to that's what we're going to see uh, happening in anecdotally around us. So most of the material, all of the material, actually, that you're going to see over the next four weeks comes from these books at the end of each uh, night uh, or each each session each week i will tell you how you can get a discount on the books just for being part of dr tenpenny's happy hour um but uh it's uh, basically the great uh, the, the website the greatest website to go to to learn all about them is spirit of the antichrist.org spirit of the antichrist.org uh, so let's dive in uh the whole premise of uh, these books and the material that we're going to be talking about uh, comes from the book of First John, written by the Apostle John, one of the one of the Lord's most you know closest disciples. There, one of the inner three, if you will. Toward the end of his life and the end of the first century, he wrote these uh, three letters. And in this first letter, he said, "Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming, even now many Antichrists, little a, have come, and that's how we know." It's the last hour. By the time John was writing, the church had been in existence about 60 years. You know, the Lord uh, was crucified and resurrected in 33 AD. 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed, and here we are 2,000 years later. Uh, but by the time, you know, 60 years had rolled around, uh, John was still living. Of course, he had walked and talked with the Lord. And he and some other writers, Peter and Paul, also refer to the present age as the last days or the last hour. So if you look at a panoramic view of God's plan of the ages, uh, you know, you can see that the present age there, number six, uh, and there's nothing magical, by the way, about the numbers here. This is just a graphic way to illustrate it, uh, but it should be self-evident that God is working out his plan over time in in different ways. Obviously, uh, Dr. Tenpenny, you and I interact differently uh, with the Lord today in the present age than Adam and Eve did, right? I mean, we're not walking around naked tending a garden. So clearly we we are interacting differently. And so this is what we mean by God's plan of the ages. It's clearly spelled out in scripture. But if you look at the church age there, it really is in God's panoramic view, the last age prior to the culmination of God's plan, prior to the inauguration of the kingdom. And so things are heating up. In these last days, uh, we're going to see a transition between the church age and the coming kingdom of Christ that the Bible variously refers to as the tribulation or the, you know, the time of Jacob's trouble, the 70th week of Daniel, meaning the 70th seven-year period. That word translated week in scripture is the Hebrew word Shabua. It just means a seven-year period. Um, and so, you know, we're going to see a transition, and it's that transition, that time period where the wrath of God and the wrath of Satan are coming against each other, that really uh, we see the Luciferians, uh, you know, orchestrating and, and building up to and, and the plan being, you know, unfolding right before our eyes. And so if we go back to First John, he later says in that same letter, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is now already in the world. Well, what does he mean by that? The, the, the spirit of this future evil tyrant who will be working at the behest of Satan, that spirit is already in the world. So we are seeing it, and we've seen it get worse and worse and worse uh, in the, over the last uh, 2,000 years since John wrote those words. And so Paul says something similar. He says, in the last days, perilous times will come. We're living in the last days, and indeed, perilous times are coming. Uh, he says in his first letter, this is Paul, that the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, this means the last part of the last days, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And so with that sort of biblical background, and by the way, the subtitle of my books is The Gathering Cloud of Deception. And that's because 
deception is getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, 3.13 that, you know, uh, deception is is on the rise, that evil men and imposters are getting worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So really, Satan's goal is to deceive the world. He's got to convince the world that he's the hero, that he's God, that everybody should abandon God and trust in him and follow him. Same lies that he told to Adam and Eve in the garden. So he's, he doesn't come up with anything new. Uh, Jesus said he's a liar from the beginning. Everything he speaks, he speaks is a lie because that's, that's, that's who he is. So uh, anyway, you know, as we think about this gathering cloud of deception, what we see, and, and certainly Dr. Tenbeni, you've been on the forefront of this in the re- in recent years as it relates to uh, the what I call the control of virus scamdemic, and and we I appreciate that for you. My pa- family and I, and some of my relatives, have benefited greatly from some of the things that you and other doctors have exposed about. Uh, the vaccine and other things. But what we see is we're living in a time of historic change. It really is a paradigm shift. Uh, things are are moving faster and more radically than at any other time in human history. And, and I'm aware as a student of history that certainly, and a student of uh, historical theology, that there are plenty of times in bygone eras where people said similar things. Oh, you know, woe is me, or oh, things are really happening. But it's it's just simply undeniable as an empirical fact if you look at the the rate of change, the amount of information, the types of technology, those kinds of things, that this is way different than you know inventing indoor plumbing or you know the invention of penicillin. I mean, those are certainly big watershed moments in human history, but. Um, we see things happening incredibly fast now. So much so, by the way, that major news outlets and key world figures are suggesting that we start using BC before COVID and AC after COVID. Here's Time Magazine in November of 2020 during the height of the pandemic, showing a picture of the world being refashioned, rebuilt, renovated based on the reaction to COVID and suggesting that we call it BC and AC. New York Times, same thing, a whole cover article uh, in 2020 talking about the new historical divide, BC and AC, the world before Corona and after Corona. Or here's the Financial Times of London, same thing, BC and AC. You know, know, sometimes- it's, it's, It's interesting that that last slide, that last cover slide, that was March 17th of 2020. Yeah. We didn't at that point in time know how long it would be that before we would label it after COVID. But I think most people can relate to that because I know for myself when I'm trying to on a because t- the last three years of this timeline have just been a great big blur. And, you know, you kind of think, did that happen before COVID or after COVID? And so I think that we've kind of naturally kind of fallen into that. Because uh, we know what our freedoms were like, our ability to travel, our businesses, and all those things, you know. And then COVID hit, as people say, in 2020. And when, and another thing, I just think that is kind of amazing to put into perspective for people is when you talked about, you know, the the um, the and the uh, the tribulate the great tribulation is seven years. Well, that's 84 months, mm-hmm. and people, you know, think, oh, well, that isn't very long, but pre-March of 2020, when this hit and when this article came out, which is pretty shocking that this was talking about after COVID, right when it was starting in March of 2020, March of 2020 to now is is 40 months. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's been a freaking lifetime. <laughs> it and, sure does. And can you imagine that during the tribulation, if this is like exponentially worse, yeah. what that's going to be like, and we're not even halfway through. Yeah. Now, for the record, uh, because I know you have various guests on and, and people have different views, I believe very strongly. And in another context, you know, I'd be happy to explain to people why that, uh, you know, the, the rapture is going to happen before that seven year period. But before you, you know, throw something at the screen, if you don't agree with that, <laughs> let me tell you what I absolutely agree about. And that is it really doesn't matter. In, a, in the sense of our preparedness and our understanding how quickly the world is falling apart. And here's why. We are not promised anywhere in Scripture, even for those of us who believe in a pre-tribulational rapture, we are not promised that we will be raptured before things get bad. In fact, for 2,000 years of church history, Dr. Tenpenny, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have faced horrific 
persecution and martyrdom uh, that we've been blessed not to face in America. So I'm by no means suggesting that all of this terrible stuff that I've written about and I'm talking about somehow we're going to miss it and oh you know God's just going to snatch us out of here and we don't have to worry about it. You know that's not it at all. We if the Lord tarries us coming, you know, we could face unspeakable. Uh, you know, circumstances. And uh, all the Bible teaches, in my view, is that we will not be here during the formal 70th week of Daniel when the wrath of God is poured out upon uh, the children of wrath. And so, uh, so you know, I, I have guests on my program, uh, like Leo Holman and others who take a, a different view on the timing of the rapture. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as far as our preparedness. I believe it is an important issue, and I believe theologically it, it matters. And again, in another setting, a classroom setting or a theological conference. I'd love to dialogue about that with people. But my purpose in these presentations and in the books is to sound the alarm that, look, this is coming. And the Bible says it's coming. And the anecdotal evidence all around us says it's coming. And so uh, we need to to be aware of it. But you're, you're right. I mean, you know, the Bible separates that seven-year period into two, three-and-a-half-year periods. Um you know, and that's, you know, 42 months. And so, as you just mentioned, we're 40 months into this, you know, scamdemic and it, it does, it, it does seem like, like it's so horrible and they're so worn out and they just can't go forward. And, you know, when I interviewed you, we did happy hour with Dr. T on, on Tuesday night, my guest night, when you said that about the pre-trib rapulation, but that doesn't mean life is going to be all, you know, roses and lollipops up until that point in time. And honestly, JB, that you were the first person I've ever heard it, heard sort of frame it that way, which yeah. I think is really accurate. Because when you look around at things that are going on now, it's continuing to get really bad. And it's going to get pretty awful up until which point in time the rapture occurs. And then there's 84 months of really bad stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not only a logical deduction, but it's a biblical explicitly stated in the Bible that things are going to get worse and worse. Second Timothy 3.13. And indeed, uh, depravity is a degenerative disease. It gets worse over time. And, you know, we're seeing the ushering in of a one world system and nothing biblically, nothing precludes us from already being in a one world system prior to the tribulation. I mean, all the Bible says is that the Antichrist is one day going to take the helm of a one world system. And the more I see what's happening around us and the more I read my Bible, the more I'm convinced that that system will be already in place. Because if you think about it, as we've said several times, seven years is a fairly short span of time in the grand scheme of things. He's not going to have a lot of time to orchestrate, set up, and get everybody to sign on to a one world system. He's going to need to step right into a system that's already there. Very and well uh, so, you know, I've, I often will say at prophecy conferences where I speak that, you know, has it ever occurred to you that uh, you will be, you might be raptured as a Chinese citizen? I mean that that'll mm -hmm. kind of make you stop and think. You know, uh, we we tend to see the eye, see the Bible through the lens of American exceptionalism, and we assume that you know things will always be the way they are. It's the normalcy bias. But you know, America's only two hundred forty-seven years old, which in six thousand years of recorded history is pretty small. And we, by most standards, have already long outlived our normal lifespan. And so, again, we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. It could be today. It could be in the middle of this uh, conversation. But uh, if it doesn't happen soon, <laughs> well, I tell you what, that would probably uh, wake a probably, few people up. <laughs> that would make the that would make the books fly off the shelf if I could produce that, you know, as a as a visual aid. Of course, the people left behind probably wouldn't be interested in the books. But anyway, <laughs> I tell you, it uh, it really is. Uh, it's just amazing how how rapidly things are coming together. So. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're talking about in these books, and 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 you know we're going to start out by talking about something that everybody's familiar with, I'm sure, and that's the Great Satanic Reset. Um, you know, the World Economic Forum has been working uh, for some time on what they call the Great Reset. I believe it constitutes the Luciferian Endgame. Um, you know, we've touched briefly already on the uh, the pandemic we're going to come back to that in greater detail in one of these sessions i can't remember if we'll get to it in this first session but folks need to know right up front that in chapter 9 of my volume 1 we have incontrovertible evidence it's the largest chapter by the way 50 pages uh i think there's some 15 to 20 smoking gun evidences that the pandemic was pre-planned and rolled out intentionally by the powers that be the luciferian elite as a means of 
you know, furthering their agenda and getting us to come together under one control grid. So, uh, you know, obviously it was a real virus. I believe it was created in a lab and obviously, you know, it affected many people, but we need to always ask the questions that the mainstream media is not asking, which is what's the purpose? Where did it come from? And so, uh, you know, the great reset was one of Klaus Schwab's books and uh, people quickly after the pandemic sort of hit, they went to the World Economic Forum and they noticed that there was all kinds of, you know, discussion on their website and in their seminars and gatherings about how the, the COVID pandemic can, you know, can lead us to a better day. And it's going to be you know, painful, but it's it's going to, you know, accomplish uh, good things. But what many people don't realize, and, and I and, and some have pointed this out, but I went back and checked the, the archives and the Wayback Machine and all of that data was already there on the the WEF website, all they did is go in and insert the pandemic and COVID and Corona language to make it seem like the Great Reset is a response to COVID. But they were already wanting to do a Great Reset. Uh, Prince Charles, now King Charles III, talked about a Great Reset, you know, before uh, COVID. So this has been their plan. Uh, and so uh, this massive Great Reset is being sponsored by people like uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, George Soros, many other entities. But it really is a great satanic reset. That's the bottom line. Um, I think we have entered the end game. Um, we, you know, in, in volume two, I have a whole chapter on the Luciferian timetable, where in their own writings, they are showing us that they expect this decade, the 2020s, to be the finish line where they literally roll out uh, you know, the, the new world order. Um, now, it's very important to understand their timeline because they really believe they're knocking on the door of it. And, and we want to know what the enemy's, you know, blueprint game plan is. But I also like to remind people as a biblicist first, that our Lord God is the one who's the ultimate arbiter of the timetable, and he's not beholden to their schedule. And so if he wants to have them have a setback and delay it and, you know, wait longer so that more people can come to faith. Who knows? That's the, the Lord is the one who's controlling the times and the seasons. But you know, I, was, I listened to a bit, a little short video yesterday and I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but he was a former head of the UN and he was former head of, I don't know, some big committee like that. And he was talking about how Trump, Trump's election was the great disruptor. Because the plan was that Obama was going to have two two uh, two terms, Hillary was going to get elected, so he was going to build the funeral pyre, and Hillary was going to light the match in 2020, mm -hmm. and that all of the and this guy was saying this in this video that all of the food shortages, the water corruption, all the things that happened were planned to have been completed by 2020, because Hillary was supposed to have gotten elected in 2016, and so it's um. You know, this whole this whole thing that Trump did, you know, from, you know, forward, because, you know, all of our and he even admitted it. He said all of the presidents and all the people that are in charge are selected by the global elite. They're not elected by the people and that Trump was this great disruptor in their timeline. And so I, I put that out there, whether people love or hate Trump is not the point. The point is, is that. You know, there were a lot of people praying during that timeline. There were a lot, a lot of people that came to the Lord during that timeline. And we can push that timeline back again through prayer. Yeah, no question. God, God is the ultimate arbiter. Um, I thought the same thing, by the way, as your the, the video you're referring to did. That I thought 2016 was was a slam dunk for Hillary, and that was that Hillary was their guy, so to speak. Hillary was their person of the hour to right. to come in and push them across the finish line. Uh, I take a little different view on the role of Trump, and you know, we never can really see what the Luciferians are doing until after the fact, when we go back and sort of connect the dots in in real time. It's kind of hard to understand, but I have a whole chapter on that in volume two, awesome. but you're, abs you're absolutely right. It is a selection, not an election. And uh, I believe just to kind of tell you, don't just take my word for it. Folks can read the book and come to their own conclusion. And by the way, Dr. Tenpenny, um, I don't think I've mentioned yet, but uh, volume one has 38 pages of bibliographic citations and volume two has 66 pages. And each page has 
20 to 30 entries. So we're talking over a thousand citations that people can do their own research. Uh, these are not just random claims and my speculations. They are, you know, well studied and doesn't mean I'm right necessarily. I, again, I encourage folks to check it out for themselves. I'm pretty confident in the conclusions I draw, but uh, we give you the resources to, to, you know, do some research yourself. But in that book, uh, you know, I, I lay out that Trump was in fact who they needed. Um, in Within the elite, there are always competing agendas and backbiting and, and chaos. And, you know, we saw that a lot in the eight years of Obama. He was kind of a Manchurian who came in and they expected him to tote the, the new guard elite. I mean, the old guard elite party line, but he he flexed his muscles a bit and did some things. And so there was some fighting. See, the, the Luciferians are are not monolithic. It's not like there's one guy getting his marching orders from Satan who pushes buttons and it happens. I mean, they're, they're all fallen, depraved men and women, and they make mistakes and they, they have personal prideful agendas. So uh, the Clintons are key part of that, but they've kind of, you know, hacked off some, some of the elites a little bit. And so they needed a person in the Oval Office who would help them roll out the pandemic. And as I've often pointed out, had Hillary been put in there, as as I and many others expected she was going to be, uh, there's no way they would have been able to stand up on national TV and convince Christians across this country to stop worshiping Jesus on Easter Sunday for the first time in 1500 years of history. <laughs> I mean, and that's what happened. We, he, you know, Trump got up and said, "Hey, 14 days. We just need 14 days. Don't go to church. We're shutting them down." And of course, most Christians, not all, but most Christians, bowed down and worshipped at the altar of government. Had Hillary, President Hillary, done that? It would have been a massive civil war. There's no way conservative Christians would have, you know, stopped going. There would have been chaos. So, and then of course you've got the whole Operation Warp Speed and the uh, gene-altering bioinjections that were rolled out. So I believe, you know, whether wittingly or not is beside the point. Love him or hate him, the fact is he was a pawn in the game. Um, but you know, I could be wrong. And, and maybe they needed that extra four years to, right. to solidify their plans too. You yeah. Know? They weren't yeah, that's, quite ready to launch globally the way that they did. So maybe they needed that little timeline in there. Yeah, totally agree. And that's why I'm really watching uh, 2024 very closely. To me, whoever they select to put in the Oval Office in the next presidential election will be key. It will tell, it will tell me a lot about where they are on their timetable. If they get another placeholder, which is how I refer to Biden, he's just a placeholder. He's not... They just needed time, really. Someone's got to hold the office, so let's put you know somebody who who can barely walk without tripping. You know, he's uh, got, got dementia. Who I say this whole thing with Biden is just elder abuse. I, you know, I am not a fan. Believe me. Oh but yeah. I, but I'm looking at it through the eyes of a physician. That this yeah. is a man who's 80 years old who spent his entire life in public office. Yeah. And now at the end of his life and at the end of his career, to put him, to prop him up at this puppet and do what they're doing, I think yeah. it's just elder abuse. Literally propping him up in some cases. I mean, there been some, there's sure. been some videos out there that show from his most recent fall here in Colorado, where we are, uh, uh, that the bottoms of his shoes appear to have some type of little anchors that help hold him in place, almost like he's a puppet. It's really bizarre. Uh, who knows if that's true, uh, but that's there's been chatting about that. But anyway, you know, so here we are, a great satanic reset. If you, if you read Klaus Schwab's uh, The Great Reset book, he talks about five major pillars of civilization that need to be reimagined. The technological reset, the societal reset, the economic reset, the environmental reset, and the geopolitical reset. And so I'm going to give quite a few quotes throughout these four weeks uh, just to show you that I'm not making this stuff up. This is what they're saying in their own words. But let's look at a few things that Schwab says. He says, uh, for example, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window to of opportunity to ref reflect, reimagine, and uh, reset our world. I'm trying to get my uh, screen a little bit more clear here. Okay, good. So I can read my own notes here. All right. At the time of the writing, which is this book, The Great Reset, COVID-19, The Great Reset, that's what he means. The pandemic continues to worsen globally. Many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short answer is never. See, this is this is what they're telegraphing, that this is a new world. And don't you know? forget everything you used to know. 
the Never world is good crisis go to waste, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I sourced the the, the source of that. It, it wasn't uh, Rahm Emanuel or even others before him. It goes all the way back to Machiavelli in the Dark Ages. He's the one that made that quote. And then it's been picked up. I, I show in my book how many of the Luciferians have adopted that mentality. And, 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 and absolutely, they, they take a crisis. They either manufacture the crisis to begin with and then use it as a pretext to further their agenda. Or if they're, in their view, lucky enough to have a crisis, then they just take advantage of it and use it either way, never let a crisis go to waste. Um, but he said, Klaus Schwab said, the world as we knew it in the early months of 2020 is no more dissolved in the context of the pandemic. He said, radical changes of such consequence are coming, uh, such radical changes are coming that some pundits have referred to a before coronavirus and after coronavirus. I showed you a couple of examples of that from mainstream media, the New York Times and the Times of London. He said, we will continue to be surprised by both the rapidity and unexpected nature of these changes. And that's what you and I were talking about, that, that how fast things have, have happened. It seems like an eternity, but when you see you know, how different things are today than, say, 2019, it, it blows you away. You know, we've already sort of accepted, in a manner of speaking, this new normal, you know. Um, but anyway, um, as they com conflate with each other, they will provoke second, third, fourth, and more order consequences, cascading effects, and unseen, uh, unforeseen outcome. So, in his previous book, which he wrote in 2013. Again, this is a plan that they've been working on for decades in America, which America is the one thing standing in the way of this, this rollout. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Uh, in America, they've been working in earnest on this revolution since the turn of the 20th century. And I've got evidence of that in the book, how they intentionally set out to take over big medicine, big pharma, big industry, big education, you name it, uh, between, say, 1895 and 19. 20. Um, but in his previous book, he said the fourth industrial revolution, often referred to as the fourth IR, will affect the very existence, the very essence of our human existence. And of course, everyone knows that the World Economic Forum produced a now infamous video entitled Eight Predictions for the World in 2030. And the first of those eight points is you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Uh, so they they don't believe that commodities can own things. Commodities are meant to be owned, and they view humanity as a great big commodity, just a useful tool to them. And if you're not useful, if you're a useless idiot, then they'll get rid of you. We're going to talk about that in weeks three and four of this series on the, the depopulation agenda. But for those who, who they deem useful then uh, you know they they want to put us to work. They they want us to do our job, whatever that is, to further their agenda. But certainly, as a commodity, we don't have the right to own things. We're supposed to be owned, not own. And so that's a big part of their agenda. Now uh, he came out with a book last year that uh, you know I the very first week that it came out, I got a copy of and and was just. Even though I've studied this stuff for 17 years, I was really dumbfounded at how blatant and open they are about their agenda. It's almost like because of the pandemic, they believe they've, you know, turned the corner and and they've already, you know, have already pretty much accomplished their goal and there's no turning back. It's a fait accompli at this point. And so let me just give you some salient quotes from this book that most folks have not seen. Uh, more and more commentators are picking up on it. Uh, as I travel the country and speak at conferences about this stuff, I'm finding that others have, uh, you know, have, have picked up on this too. But th we, we were way out front on this because I just, I know they, one of the credos of the Luciferians is they like to telegraph what they're going to do. They, they believe they need to tell you what they're going to do before they do it. And this is what is, they're isn't saying. Isn't that part of their karma belief that yeah. they believe that they, have to tell you ahead of time, either through movies or music or books or some or something. They have to tell you ahead of time. And then if they told you and you just lollygag and go along, well, we told you what we were going to do. And they have no retribution from that from their side. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a moment because that's a very yeah. good point. You're right. It is sort of a karmic credo. Um, and you'll see it referenced in the literature, and sometimes they'll even talk about it. Uh, it's it's somewhat unclear why that is. We know that it's a sort of a direct marching order from Satan himself, that basically they believe 
they must reveal ahead of time, usually in veiled manner and secret codes, what they're going to do. Uh, as best I can tell, and I've written about this elsewhere, I believe it's mo- it's not so much um, out of any deference to us. It's more if sort of in a, a sick, demented way so that they can sit back in their smoke-filled rooms while things are unfolding and say, ha, 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 see, we warned you, we told you so, but they really didn't. You know, we have lots of examples of this. Um, and in the book, I give several that will just blow you away. Uh, I think I'll take the time now to reveal one of them just to give you an example of how how this stuff works. Um, so while you do that, why don't you just stop this your, your share screen for a second? Yeah, sure. Okay. So people can definitely see you talking. Yeah, there you go. go right back so okay. when I'm sharing my screen, they're not seeing me. Is that the way it works? I'm or? not sure, but okay. <laughs> uh, we'll just, we'll yeah, just make no, it that way. <laughs> no worries. That's easy to do. Anytime I need to toggle back and forth between sharing and not sharing, that's just a couple of clicks. No problem at all. So, so yeah, um, most of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the, uh, the uh, Murrah Federal Building bombing in Oklahoma City uh, back in the early 90s. Um, on on incontrovertible evidence now that that was a you know planned attack it was not just a one lone wolf thing by uh, 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 Timothy McVeigh uh, lots of great documentaries out there great uh, peer reviewed research has been done on it you know you can go back and watch the coverage you can find it out there uh, of the local news media and you, and you can see them talking about interviewing ATF agents and talking about showing on camera how they're bringing multiple bombs out yeah we found another bomb we're bringing it out and I mean there was way much more to that story than the official narrative but one way we know that this was that that, that the narrative was a lie was and and you can't make this stuff up this is just i think a blatant example of this uh, luciferian credo of of telling you secretly ahead of time but uh, 6 months or so before that happened uh the governor of Oklahoma who by the way his name was uh, Frank Keating uh, he it was longtime career in the FBI, ended up running for governor, had just become elected, um, very suspicious circumstances surrounding his role as the governor. But this isn't even about him. What's interesting is his brother, and I can't remember his first name, but it's in my book, but he's Keating, Frank Keating's brother, uh, is a novelist. And he wrote a novel that had already been finished. It was already in the hands of the publishers. It was going through the final edits. It hadn't been hit the market yet, uh, but it was it was already available. It was already out there. Uh, it was actually published not long after the federal building bombing in Oklahoma City, uh, and there were mainstream articles about it that basically took the approach: "Hey, what a coincidence!" But in this novel, written by Keating's brother. The entire premise of the story is about a lone wolf domestic terrorist named Thomas McVeigh, who blows up a federal building in Oklahoma City and is later caught by happenstance when a state trooper pulls him over for having a a taillight out. Now, that's exactly what you can read the book. You can still get it on Amazon. It's still out there. And so I, I, I give direct citations from it in the book, in my book. So. I mean, now that's either one of the most stunning coincidences of all time that six months after he submits the manuscript, you have a lone, allegedly a lone wolf, you know, uh, Timothy McVeigh, very similar name, different first name, different spelling of the last name, who bombs a federal building in Oklahoma City and is supposedly apprehended on a chance traffic stop because he has a taillight out. So that's just, and and there's lots of other uh, examples of that with other mainstream historical events where you go, wait a minute, maybe maybe this was somehow orchestrated and not necessarily just a organic event. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of share that example because they do like to tell us what they're going to do. And that's what this uh, great narrative book was all about. Right. So let me, uh, let me bring back the screen here and um, let me know if you can see that. Yep, that's, okay. that's the slide where we left off. Perfect. Okay. So, so here we've got uh, the geopolitical and technological landscapes are being shaped in a way that will make them unrecognizable in just a few years. He says, this is in his new book again, the Great Reset will require a great deal of innovation and dramatic changes in our economies and societies, as well as in the institutions, laws, and rules that govern them. 
our life habits and modes of consumption will also need to change dramatically. Disruption is coming, he said, and it will be both good and bad and major. New technology challenges our beliefs, morals, and religions, and politics at their very core. He says, nothing is more effective. And this is, this is where uh, we see sort of a subtle uh, telegraphing of what they're doing. How are they going to roll all of this out, Dr. Tenpenny? What's their main weapon in getting these changes to take root? He says, nothing is more effective than the power of narratives. That is to say, developing stories that are both pertinent and convincing to others. In other words, we've got to make up lies that will be convincing. This is the best way, back to the quote, to motivate those with whom we interact socially, politically, and economically, and to move the agenda forward. He doesn't say that these stories are true. He just says, we've got to develop them. We've got to come up with stories and narratives that are so compelling that it will make people jump on the, the train. And so, you know, everything you hear and I think most people are waking up to this ever since both, you know, the rigged election and the, uh, you know, the pandemic. And by the way, you know, I know this would, it got us censored on YouTube. We've been kicked off of YouTube for over two years now. We use Rumble uh, because we were just telling the truth, you know, back during the whole pandemic fiasco, we were out there citing, you know, peer-reviewed journal articles from JAMA and AMA and Lancet about, you know, 100 years worth of research about how useless masks are and how you can't really vaccinate against a SARS virus. We never did get a SARS-2, you know, vaccine because you can't do it. And uh, and yet, even though we were citing mainstream peer-reviewed articles, uh, YouTube said, nope, doesn't follow the narrative, you're done, and they canceled us. So, um, so you know, I understand that there's always a danger when you expose the truth like this of this happening, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Everything you hear in the mainstream media, you should question. Uh, doesn't mean it's always a lie, you know. I mean, a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. But you know, it definitely should. The knee-jerk reaction should be, you know, is this true? And and check it out. Uh, one more quote. He says, uh, you know, this new golden age, as he's talking about in context, there will require major institutional innovations. Among them a supranational institution to regulate finance at the global level. Read one world government. And that's really what the Bible says we're headed towards. And that's what these books kind of make the case for. What evidence are we seeing that we're headed into a one world political, religious, and economic uh, system? So uh, how much time do we have left in this first session? We have about 10 to 15 minutes. Okay, I want to go back to Scripture now and sort of lay the template for how God is working over over the ages and how that it's perfectly in accord with the biblical data that we would be that we would be seeing a shift back from nationalism to globalism. So let's uh, let's take a look at that. If you look at human government, uh, it's pretty clear that it started out with a globalist paradigm. Uh, you know, in the garden. There was one world and one God. They didn't have nation states and, and you know sovereign rulers over certain territories. If you go to Genesis one twenty eight, God blessed them and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth." And if you go back through human history, now I hold to a young earth position. Again, doesn't mean we can't disagree on that and agree on the bigger picture of what this topic is about. I, I respect people's views on that, but I'm pretty confident that based on both the scientific and biblical data, uh, this is a young earth. So let's say creation was around 4004 BC, the way we reckon time today using the, the current dating system. Uh, in uh, you know the year 2468, so roughly 1600 years later, we had the angelic incursion that you've talked about Genesis 6, as you said, that was kind of something that caught your focus most of last year or early on in this pandemic. Um, and um, and by the way, I know there are people that are probably surprised maybe to learn that the world is roughly 6,000 years old, but that's because they believe one of the greatest lies the Luciferians have perpetrated, and that is Darwinian thought. 
that you know n- nobody believed in an old earth prior to darwin he comes along as a eugenicist he needed to convince us that uh we, you know we're getting better and better and better we're getting smarter and smarter and smarter and after millions of years we we evolved from a wet rock into this <laughs> thing that crawled out of the ocean and eventually figured out how to communicate and and became human beings um but uh you know that that's all by design as we're going to get to in part 2 uh next week the the government uh, intentionally uh, took over the school system so they could indoctrinate young people in seventh grade biology all about Darwinian thought. But anyway, you know, then we had the angelic incursion. And then as a result of that, uh, we have the global flood uh, in Genesis 7 and 8. And uh, it's been, you know, roughly here we are in 2023, about 4,371 years since the beginning uh, of the flood. Uh, the flood ends and then we have this uh, table of nations that's given to us in God's word in Genesis 9 and 10. And, you know, they they are told to spread out. And now we have moved from that point on into a phase of nationalism in God's plan. And everything else from Genesis 10 to the present day, both in the biblical record and in the historical record, is all about nationalism. And that's God's divine design. We, we, we should fight for nationalism, even though we know ultimately the Bible is going to come full circle back to globalism again when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords takes the throne himself and rules in perfect peace and righteousness and justice. We understand that, but that's not time yet. Right now, God's divine design is nationalism. And as Americans, we ought to resist any attempt by some global Luciferian elite to, to force us into a one world system. And, and we ought to resist that until God comes back and says, you know, I'm ready for that. Uh, so, you know, we've shifted and we shifted, uh, you know, back, you know, in roughly 2242 BC. Then you have the Tower of Babel, uh, which is really interesting. About a hundred years after the flood, give or take, it didn't take long. <laughs> Mankind once again descended, descended into the depths of wickedness. You know, the slippery slope into abject evil was much faster this time than it had been from the garden forward. It was 1600 years then. Um, but we read the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Uh, they had brick for stone and um, and mortar. And so then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. So this was basically a post-flood rebellion against God by Noah's descendants 100 years later. And he judged them by, you know, spreading out their families, uh, giving, you know, dividing their single language into multiple languages. And certain groups became isolated throughout the globe, and and certain features became dominant: skin shade, eye shape, those kinds of things. Now, why did they want to build this tower? What 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 was it about building the tower that was their motive? Um, well, you know, to understand that reason, we've got to go back to chapter ten, and a guy named Nimrod. Nimrod was the son of Cush and grandson of Ham, who was one of Noah's sons. And the Hebrew name Nimrod means we shall rebel. Mm. The biblical Nimrod mm. is the most po- is the first real powerful king on earth. He became uh, dominant over in, in cities in his kingdom, like the famous Babylon and Nineveh and uh, Kela in Assyria. But but here's the point. Why do I bring up Nimrod? Josephus, that first century historian, tells us something very interesting about Nimrod. Here's a quote: He Nimrod persuaded them to attribute their prosperity not to God, but to their own valor, and little by little transformed the state of affairs into a tyranny, holding that the only way to detach men from the fear of God was by making them continuously dependent upon his power, meaning him, Nimrod. He threatened to have his revenge on God if he wished to inundate the earth again, for he would build a tower higher than the water could reach and avenge the destruction of their forefathers. Why did they build a tower, Dr. Tenpenny? Because they wanted to rebel against God, as Satan has always been trying to do. He he led a coup in heaven. It was repelled. God kicked him out of heaven with one-third of the angels, and now he's been setting his sights on earth to take over God's control. And way back then, uh, after the flood, when another rebellion occurred, led by Nimrod, he said, let's build a tower because that way God won't be able to destroy us with a flood like he did 
after the angelic incursion. And so, you know, here we are back once again uh, to our chart. We see we're in nationalism, but someday as time goes on, we're going to see a return to globalism. And as we've been talking about, that return will happen in two phases. First, there's going to be a satanic globalism, a beast, as Daniel talked about, who will devour the whole earth. We read in Revelation that the dragon, that's Satan, gives this beast, the Antichrist, his power, and he has a throne, and he has great authority. All authority will be given him, the Antichrist, over every tribe, tongue, and nation. A thousand years before Christ, King David wrote in Psalm 2 that the nations are conspiring together, setting themselves together against the Lord, Yahweh, and against Jesus, his eternal son and anointed. So that's, you know, there's going to be a satanic globalism, but praise God, there's going to be a divine globalism someday. After that short seven-year period, uh, Christ is going to come back. In fact, God is sitting up in heaven laughing at these Luciferians who think somehow, you know, they can defeat God. Never forget the Luciferian plot is no match for the Lord's plan. And he has a plan when one day Christ will take the throne, the whole earth will be filled with his glory. All the governments of the world will be upon his shoulder. Um, and, and, you know, uh, in uh, going back to Daniel, Daniel speaks about a kingdom that will never be destroyed and will stand uh, forever. So, that's why I say, you know, I'm trying to interpret the the Luciferian conspiracy through the lens of Scripture. Obviously, there are a lot of researchers out there that have talked about, you know, the deep state or the global elite or the the unseen hand, uh, you know, as they've written about. But uh, very few people are remembering that the Bible is our ultimate standard, and any theories about the way the world works that violate or contradict Scripture. They can't be true. So we see both anecdotal evidence in history as well as scriptural evidence in the pages of the Bible that we are headed towards a one-world uh, system. And, and that's really, you know, what uh, these uh, books are about. So, Oof. yeah. So let me tell folks how they can get the books. Um, well, hold on to that for just a second. Okay, sure. I'm going to yep. give you a lot of time here to close this out for a second. Oh, perfect. Okay. <clears throat> so I want to thank everybody who's joined us here tonight for this incredible study. And you can see that this is just part one of four parts. Honestly, I'm really sad that it's not eight or 10 parts long, JB. <laughs> Seriously, I just think there's so much to cover and so much to put in context of what's happening in our day-to-day -day world from a biblical perspective. And to, and to talk to someone like you with your, um, your great, your 35 years of doing this, your 17 years of research just into this, makes it, simplifies it in a way that people can get their head around it. So I just want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. JB, tell us and tell the listeners about your books. And I believe you've got a coupon code for our yes. audience of a way that they can get your books and, and at the website. So put that slide back up there yep. again so we can do that. You betcha. So the easiest way to find it is go to notbyworks.org. Click on the store button right there on the homepage. You'll see it. Um, we have lots of resources, but the ones that I'm really, uh, the, our most recent books and video series are the ones that we're talking about and that I believe are, are, are the urgency of the hour here. Um, and that's Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And by the way, we're working on my next book, which is due out in October. So Lord willing, if we're all still here, uh, I'd love to circle back with you and maybe come back and do another series on that. It's called Spirit of the False Prophet, oh, Hacking yes. and Tracking Humanity. We're going to dive into how they're going to implement the full spectrum yes. global surveillance. 100% um, we'll plan yeah, that. Yeah. That's a given right now. So, but these two are still kind of hot off the press. Again, volume two just came out six months ago. Uh, but if you go to notbyworks.org slash store, any of our Spirit of the Antichrist resources, which includes the two books, um, uh, we've got um, a bundle that, you know, that already saves you money because we bundled up the DVD set and the two books. Uh, we've got the electronic copies for those of you that like Kindle or Nook or any of those readers, you can take the PDFs and import them right in. Uh, but any of these uh, resources and different bundles that we have, the streaming video series, uh, if you just put in the code happy hour, it's going to give you an additional 10% off. Uh, and that's just something that we we put together for uh, these uh, four weeks. And uh, we, we just wanted to encourage folks to, to pick up the books and um, 
And yeah, they are, by the way, available on Amazon. Uh, and same price, uh, shipping is about the same. We're actually a little bit cheaper. Um, but uh, honestly, uh, you know, we think Jeff Bezos has enough money already. So like to I totally you to- agree. <laughs> I always, I'm always <laughs> encouraging my my followers, you know, if you're watching us live, you're listening to his efforts, um, go to Amazon, read the reviews, go to the author and buy the book. Hey, and that's then great. go back to Amazon and write a review and tell people on your review to go buy it directly from the author. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, cause you know, there are, you know, the one thing about Amazon is there are millions and millions of eyeballs and, right. you know, and to get good reviews out on Amazon is really, really important for the longevity of your book. So, um, and I admit, I read a lot of, I read all the, I, I read the one star and the five star. I like to read what people love about it, what people hate about it. <laughs> so yep. you're going to love these books though. Cause I just want to tell people in closing here, in volume one, which I, I have right here in my possession, volume one, the table of contents is who is the Antichrist, the Luciferian conspiracy, the Luciferian conspiracy diagrammed and explained, Operation Mockingbird and the false left-right paradigm, geoengineering and the Hegelian dialect, vaccines and big pharma, false flags and eugenics, avoiding the deception and summary and conclusion, and at the beginning of book two, you said you didn't even know if we would still be here in time for you to write book two. So in book two, he talks about Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, transhumanism and artificial intelligence, the Luciferian timetable and agenda 2030, secret societies, the CFR, Bilderbergers and Bohemian Grove, fake elections, global surveillance and the police state, UFOs and the U.S. government, paranormal activity and supernatural phenomenon, the narcissistic epidemic, the rise of anti-Christian sentiment, perversion and the gender surrender movement, the coming one world religion and the summary and conclusions. Now, I can't think of any books out there and I've interviewed a lot of our authors and God bless them and God bless their work. But I can't think of anything you would want in your library more that is more thorough and, for, and, and evaluated from what's going on today um, from a biblical perspective than all of the work that JP, JB has put into this. So I think it's really, really important. And he's doing the, you know, the generosity of his heart to go to notbyworks.org forward slash store, notbyworks forward slash store, and get a copy of these books uh, for you to read. And you might even want to think about getting a couple copies, a couple sets. Father's Day's coming up. You know, Christmas will be here before you know it. And you'll want to be able to get this information into the hands of everybody that you know. So JB, stop sharing your screen here for a second. You bet. And um, what we always do before we close out for our evening, is we, uh, this is so important. Would you lead us in a word of prayer before we close tonight? Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity just to get the word out and, and drive people to your word, really the only standard for our beliefs and attitudes and practices. It's in your word, Lord, that we learn of the good news, the gospel, that your son and our savior, Jesus Christ, died for our sins and rose from the dead so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life. And Lord, we pray that if there's one who has stumbled upon this video uh, providentially and they don't know you. Uh, they don't know for certain they'll spend eternity in heaven. I pray that today, in simple childlike faith, they would trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can give them the free gift of eternal life. And Lord, for those of us who already know you, I pray that you would help us to continue to walk by faith, to depend on your word, to stay rooted in the word of God and navigate these uh, crazy times through the, the blueprint that you've given us in the Bible. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a great kickoff to our four-part series, you know. Honestly, I think we could go on. I, I just can't hardly wait to get to next week and the next week and the next week. So I want to thank everybody who's joined us here tonight at our Bible study. And as I close out tonight, I close all of my broadcasts, whether they're pre-recorded or live, with one of my favorite verses from the Bible, because that means so much to me. And, and it states so much in just a few words. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in trouble because it will come, but always be persistent in prayer. 
So until the next time, remember to lean into God, trust him for everything, give him the glory. He will never let you down. And one last thing before you go, um, stick, stick around for a couple of extra minutes. You'll see our uh, special announcements for our premium podcast members, and we'll see you again here next week. Thank you, everybody. Have a good evening.